Thank you for listening to a sermon from the District Church. For more information about us, please visit www.thedistrict.church. Additionally, if any of our sermons have brought encouragement to you, would you please let us know by emailing us at info at thedistrict.church. It's good to be back here at District. Um, have fond memories about just how you guys started, and, and it's been awesome to see how God is growing you and, and how he's moved you around about our city with an intentional, with a purpose, I should say, to reach the, the, the saved to reach those who are lost to be saved. And so today, I want to share with you from Isaiah 61. And and the, the worship was really, man, fitting to what we're going to be sharing about here. And, and it's all about how we are to impact the world or the city that God has called us to. And love the fact that God is our... Our living hope, Jesus is our living hope. He is our victory. He has broken the chain. He has set us free. uh, And death has lost its grip on me, on us. Amen? Now, I I love a church that responds in that regard. When truth is spoken, you ought to say amen, uh, especially when the word of God is preached. Now, I know for some of you, and I'm, I'm setting you up a little bit. That's why I have to do this on the front end. I don't have to explain it to you again now, but I just want you to just to feel free in worship as we receive the word of God. It helps me as one who is sharing with uh, many strangers to feel more comfortable when you are agreeing with the word of God. So I have no problem with you talking back to me a little bit. Amen, brother. You can say that. Okay. so praise God. We have freedom in the spirit. So I want to look at Isaiah 61. Uh, four verses, and and I have really, I'll share this with you, and we'll jump right into the text, uh, because I don't want to take too much time talking about me. It's all about God, right? But just note that it's also going to be about you as well as the body of believers, and there's a call that God is calling us to do. There's a word, there's a mission he's calling us to, and I want to make sure that we're reminded of that. We meaning Christians, right? And so I have been so uh, overwhelmed by the state of the world. And, and I want and I pray that God ministers to us, challenges us, and even definitely encourage us to uh, hear what he wants us to hear and to do what he would have us to. And, and so I think this passage helps us to understand just what is wrong with the world, what is wrong with uh, the nation. What is wrong with our city? What is wrong with people? It's sin. Would you agree with me on that? And so we want to talk about that too, but let me just pray and then we'll read the text uh, and then get right to it. Lord Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for allowing us to come into this place to worship you. Thank you for an opportunity to fellowship. And Lord, thank you that we're able to come and to receive your word. And Lord, as your messenger today, I pray that I do you justice. I pray that I do your word justice, that I speak the truth, that your Holy Spirit would uh, move in me, that I would take myself outside of this, this space and allow your spirit to lead and guide. So Lord God, we ask your blessings upon the hearers of your word, that we would also be doers as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Isaiah 61 verses 1 through 4 The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, 
because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who were bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall rise up the form, raise up the rise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. The world seems to be turned upside down. Can I get a witness on that one? Uh, there's so much hurt, so much pain and brokenness going on. Whether it's uh, matters across the globe or matters that we experience and we hear about in the nation, even in our city, the world is in a terrible place and states. Amen. I don't expect to say amen 40 times, but just note that, you know, you can as many as you want. So we are devastated by the uncertainties of life, things that we can't understand, things that we can't control. And we are bothered by the issues that we experience on a daily basis. I was walking in the grocery store yesterday, and I couldn't help but to think in the back of my mind, I sure hope no one opens up a piece and starts shooting. That, that is the reality that, that we're in. At least that's for me. And I was at a graduation on Friday, and I thought the same thing. Tragedy. Because of all the tragedies, we are devastated by what could happen to us, even before it happens. Now, we know we're called uh, to trust God and not to worry. But there's a part of us in the flesh that we are concerned about the things going on around us. And we should be. Not only for our own safety, but for the safety and the good of others as well. Amen. So it's not just about me or us. I'll try not to take, I'll try not to bring too much of me in this, but you have to know that God is stirring up something in me. That I'm speaking from hurt, but I'm also speaking with an attitude of hope. And so today's message in Isaiah will focus us on the need, uh, uh, that the need for the power of the gospel. We need the gospel. Uh, and so I want to talk about how that the gospel reminds us of God's provision, all that he does for us, and of his great love especially. Amen? And, and, and so his faithfulness and his amazing grace, and it helps remind us that we have been saved and delivered, and we are loved by God who loves us unconditionally. Yes. And so if I could put a title on this sermon, it would be, People Need to Hear Good News That Have Been Given to Us. We hear a lot about the bad stuff that's going on in the world. 
But people today, we need to be reminded that there is good news that people need to hear, and we know exactly what it is. It is the gospel. The gospel is the good news. And so when we talk about this text, I want to make sure you understand historical, the historical perspective of what was going on here in the day of Isaiah. Prophet Isaiah declared the good news that God would glorify himself and transform his people and they would be used to restore the ruling nations. Isaiah spoke of people who were oppressed and hopeless. He uses the language of rebuilding because the Jewish people literally rebuild the ruins of Jerusalem after the exile. Israel's sins of rebellion and disobedience led them to captivity. They were held captive by the nations Egyptians, the Assyrians, and then the Babylonians. They experienced devastations and ruins in their lives and in their land for many generations. They were broken people in need of a savior. Some of the Jews returned to Jerusalem overwhelmed by the years of oppression and they were left without an identity. They were broken, hopeless, and devastated. Three points I want to make. The first one is the mission. The second one is the condition. And the third point is the impact. The mission, the condition, and the impact. Verse 1, as we read here, it says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news. To bring good news to the poor. The poor in spirit and the marginally poor, the physical poor. Isaiah explains the goal of the Messiah's anointing to restore creation and advance his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. That was the intended purpose. And Isaiah was given a, a, a prophecy about the Savior who would come, that he would restore all creation, and that he would establish his church. He would call people like us unto the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ so that we can be disciples of his, so that we can advance his kingdom. The church is established not only to worship what we're experiencing here, not only to hear the word and worship on a Sunday, on a regular basis on a Sunday morning, but also the fellowship, and you do that well in small groups and in community. And thirdly, he calls the church, he's established a church to evangelize. Sarah, thank you for that prayer. To reach your neighbors, to reach the nations. That is the mission that he's given all of us. Here's an illustration of that. You remember in Acts 10, real quick here, I just want you to feel this a bit. Remember in Acts 10 when God revealed to Peter while he was on the roof in a trance. He was to go to Joppa. And during that time, there was a centurion, a Roman, Cornelius, who had, was, in, was in a vision. And God was calling him to ask for Peter to come visit his house. And you remember that story. I'll just kind of give us an overview just to see what does it mean to be on a mission here. And, and, and I say this too, that as Peter heard, or was in the trance, he got the the information, the men met him at his door, and they journeyed with him to Joppa. 
So when Peter gets there, he's on a mission. I know we're talking about Isaiah, but this is just an illustration about Peter. I'm not preaching this text, but I want to give you an illustration. So Peter hears, and he goes out of obedience to Joppa. He goes into a house to a people group that he didn't have affiliation with. Jews did not affiliate themselves with Gentiles. You hear me now? As it is in the world today, some people groups don't affiliate with other people groups. Can I get a witness on that one? All right, then. And so he goes there, and here's some things that he saw. The Lord had to teach him that what he's made is, is clean. Nothing that God makes is unclean. And that God doesn't show any favoritism. That God loves all of his creation. And I want you to think about this when we talk about all. When we talk about his creation. When we talk about the people that are hurting. They're all of us. We're all a part of humanity. We're all a part of God's creation. He loves us equally. I want us to see that. I want us to see that because sometimes we say that's not my problem. It's a, their problem. I want us to empathize with humanity. To empathize with people, the struggles, the pain that they're going through. We all share a commonality. We're all created in God's image. Whether some are Christ followers, others aren't at, at this time. And that we're all broken people. That we're all sinful people. The difference with, between those who are Christians and those who aren't is that we have the Holy Spirit living within us and help us do what God has called us to do, to live according to his, his word and to, be, to live out uh, our character according to his character, to image him in the way he lived here on earth, to model Christ. That's what we're called to. Without the help of the Holy Spirit, we can't do that. Oh, you know we still struggle at it now. Oh, you know we struggle at it in the relationships, even at home. You might have some issues this morning on your way to church. Come on, somebody. Peter. So Peter gets to the house. And he says this real quick. He said in verse 35, but in every, let me say verse, verse 34, he says, so Peter opened the mouth and said, truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, everyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the world that he sent, I'm sorry, as for the world that he sent to Israel, preaching good news to preach through, to preach Jesus Christ, that he is all and in all. Verse 37, so you yourself know what happened throughout Judea beginning from Galilee and after the baptism that John proclaimed. Verse 38, how God appointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went out doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And then lastly, he says this. He says that we are witnesses of all he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem, they, that they put him to death by hanging him on the tree. We saw why Jesus died. We saw why he died. We saw him die because he died for us. He died for the unsaved. And he was saying to Cornelius' household, everyone that Cornelius invited, he said that God, Jesus, died for your sins. Not just my sin, the Jew. Not just for Jerusalem, but for all nations. We get that in, in Matthew 28. We are called. We've been anointed. We've been appointed. And we have been commissioned out to share the good news to all the nations. Go ye therefore and preach the good news to all nations. 
baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them what I've taught you and know that I will be with you always, even until the end of the world. That's the mission. And we are part of that mission because the world needs good news. The world needs to hear the good news about Jesus. The world needs to hear that they can have victory in Jesus. The world needs to hear that death has lost its grip. The world needs to hear that the Lord is our living hope. The world needs to hear that Jesus is able to save. The world needs for us to testify about how we were lost. <laughs> and doing our own thing. How we were astray from him. How we were estranged to him, to God. Had no relationship at all. And he touched us. He drew us. He loved us. He loved us. And we are grateful for the grace that he extends to us. Amen? How does that make you feel? We, the church, have been anointed and commissioned to make disciples. The gospel is for everyone who fears and believes him. The gospel transcends grace, or rather culture, race, social economics, and it is the good news that people need to hear. People need to hear the good news that we have because they need to know Jesus. That was the first point. We could close out our time on that. But we got to talk about the condition. The text says, preach the gospel here in verse 1. He says, because the Lord has wanted me to bring good news to the poor, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who were bound. Think about these people. Think about the way we were. Bound by the enemy. Hoodwinked by the enemy. Some of us perhaps are still hoodwinked by the adversary. But brokenhearted. So the good news is that your heart can be bound together. Bind, or rather broken, could be bound, could be brought back, could be restored, is what I'm trying to say. So not only will your heart be restored, but also the reality that you can be set free from captivity, from bondage. The bondage that was caused by our own sins, true. The bondage that is caused by the enemy, the adversary. He keeps us in bondage if we believe that we know that when Jesus came and died on the cross, that we were set free and that the devil, <laughs> he is defeated. He's a defeated foe. And we don't have to believe the lies. Because the enemy comes to kill to steal and to destroy. But Jesus came that we might have life and have it abundantly. That's, a, that's an amen moment there, y'all. But I ain't trying to force you to say that. So this is the state of the world, the condition of the world. People are broken. People are held captive. People are bound. All the shootings. All the shootings across the nation. The mass shootings in Oklahoma, Uvalde, Texas, Buffalo, New York, 
Chattanooga, Tennessee. All the shootings, the devastation of disease, cancer. Violence, even in our city. So we live on the Near East Side where Shepherd is located. And not that this is the only place where it happens, but we have a high number of violent homicides that are committed, especially on the Near East Side. Please hear me out. We have issues throughout our city, but there is a high percentage on the Near East Side. One reason why we exist as, as a ministry there. One reason why my wife and I live in that community. One of the reasons. Um, and so the reality is, according to IMPD, that, 50, that, that, that the, the percentage of folks who were committing these violent homicides are between the age range of 15 and 22. 15 and 22. Pulling out pistols. Killing people. For whatever reason, taking life. That's a problem. Our babies, 15 years old. I had an experience the past four months working in a local school and, and working with at-risk teens. And I approached them, and they were approaching me as well, meaning that I was interested in them. They were interested in, in, in me coming to share with those students. And so we have this class we call Real Talk where it's a safe place for teenagers to talk about their problems. So we're saying, let's be intentional. Instead of being afraid of the world, instead of being afraid of these people or people who are committing crimes or what have you, let's figure out and let's find out why. Because we've been called as a church to share the good news. We don't hide behind, or rather we don't sit on the good news. But we go forward, we proactively move with the good news because the world needs to hear it. The world needs to hear the good news and see the good news lived out in us. So going into that classroom, and I'm OG. OG is old games to someone who's been around a while, if you didn't know. You just had a cultural, cross-cultural experience. So in this classroom, we're talking about whatever they want to talk about. And the stuff that they're talking about, we're talking 14 to 17-year-olds, wow. It's hard for them. They are afraid. Why are they killing people? Because they're afraid that they're going to be killed. They don't feel comfortable in their own community. Their heads are on swivels, looking around, watching their backs. Because of the context, our babies. The people need to hear and see the good, that there's good news. The good news of the gospel. Here's a quote, and I'll be done with this point. We live out our call most fully when we are a community of faith. When we are a community of faith with arms wrapped around about a community of pain. Let me repeat. We live out our call most fully when we are a community of faith with arms wrapped about a community of pain. It's a quote from John Perkins, brother who's been around in community development work over 50 years. We have the good news for hurting people in our community, in our neighborhoods across the city and beyond. God is calling us 
to engage the community of pain, people who are broken, people who are heart ached, people who are in captivity, who are bound by the enemy and bound by them, themselves. We hold ourselves back because of our mindset, right? Third point, the impact. latter part of verse 2 and 3. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn. To grant to those who mourn in Zion. To give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes. The oil of gladness instead of mourning. The garment of praise instead of faint spirit. That they may be called oaks of righteousness. The planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. We are oaks of righteousness. We are disciples of Christ. And he has called us to act righteously within the world that is lost, that is dying, that is hurt, that is devastated. We are the oaks of righteousness and we are called to comfort those who mourn. Now I know we get it when we mourn within the community. Within the body, when we hear the things that happened to our pastor Dwayne, in three years, those three episodes and his wife, I forget her, Kelsey. And, and, and so when we hear about these things, it affects us, right? And there are other issues, situations that you have within the family. I don't know your business like that. But I'm sure that there are other things that you are going through. And as a community, you are with each other, that you are suffering or you're hurting for each other. Can I get a witness on that? So you want to bring comfort to those who mourn. It's easy to do for people that we know, but what about those we don't know? What about those across the street? What about those around the corner? You are here as a church to multiply yourselves so you can reach more people and make more disciples. If you didn't know that, you need to check with the leadership. Maybe you can check the website if you're embarrassed. But that's, that's what it says that you're about as district church. So this is what you're called to be, oaks of righteousness. You know, oak trees, if I can give this quick little illustration about what you represent, as, and what we represent as oaks of righteousness. Oak trees have roots that are deep down in the earth, and they keep and to keep them strong, the roots. And so does our faith. As oaks of righteousness, we are on display so that we can bear witness of God's promises and share his love with all of those around us and also those that we don't even know. That's what he's called us to be for them, to offer shade, protection. And you know, oaks yield acorns. So to offer fruit as well. So we are called here as a purpose, as a people with a purpose to advance God's kingdom in order to glorify him. Oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. We're God's work, his workmanship, created to carry out his mission. Now, I didn't tell you this. I talk loud because I'm passionate. I'm not upset. When, when you share something that is so kind of maybe hard to hear, and someone comes across really loud like I am, you may feel offended. Please don't be offended. I'm just sharing because I'm a passionate brother, okay? Let me say that. 
What does it mean for us to impact those who need to be comforted? We need to engage them. We need to go to where they are. We can't expect them to come to us. The Great Commission is about going. We have to go and we have to make ourselves uncomfortable. We have to take risks. We have to be willing to, in faith to trust God that he's going to give the increase. Trust God that when the word goes out, it will not return void. Do we trust him, oaths of righteousness, a planning of the Lord? Do we trust our Savior? How about a few verses that we can encourage people by? That I just want to share with you, and then we're going to wrap our time up with some strategies. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 and 4 says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. That's truth. That the comfort that we receive from God, and we appreciate the comfort, amen? That the Lord will never leave us nor forsake us. That we may endure for a night, but joy coming in the morning. And we've had some of those experiences, and we say hallelujah and praise God because he delivered me, or he was with me. He got us through that situation, so we in turn share, take that same approach, and we go to those who are mourning, and we comfort them with the truth. I know what it means to be struggling today, but it's going to be better if you trust Jesus. And he, he may not come when you want him, but he will be on time. You've heard that, right? Do we believe that? Do we communicate that? Do we share that? Do we live that out? Even when we're struggling, even when we're going through heartache, do we say what 2 Corinthians says here in 4, 17 and 18, this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. This thing that I'm going through is only for a moment. It can't be compared to what God's going to do in my situation. That if I just show up, God's going to show out. Because he's faithful at his word. And if we believe that for ourselves, then let's share that with others. Let's model that with others. That, yeah, I'm struggling today. I'm having some hard issues in my life, but I believe that God is going to deliver me because he is my deliverer. I believe that God is going to restore me because he is my redeemer. I believe that God is going to give me hope because I am hopeful in the power of the resurrection of Christ. What do we do with this? To what end? So, yeah, people are encouraged and we take the ashes off their heads and we put oil on them. Huh. We're talking about, when we talk about these verses here and putting the headdress on them, affirming people, affirming people, valuing them, validating them that your life matters. That while you may have given up on yourself, we are here for you because God is for you. And if God is for you, who can be against you? Yes. That's what we share with those that we encounter within the body and outside the four walls. That's what we share. That's what we model. Yeah. The people who are hurting, who've given up, who don't have a, a faith for themselves, 
But you say, let me help you believe. Let me walk with you as you are trusting God to believe. Let me stay in this thing with you. Let me go deep like the oak tree roots with you. Listen, don't just be satisfied with the appetizer. Go all the way in with the main entree. We can do a little bit of ministry. We can do a little drive-by. We can check the box off the list, but God is calling us to go all the way in with people. As Jesus went all the way in for us, all the way up to the cross, and all the way in the tomb, and on the third day, he arose again and then sits on the side, on the right side of the Father today, interceding on our behalf. And he's called us to model his life, to model what he did for us. Now, we are not going to necessarily die for anyone, necessarily. I don't know that personal conviction. But what I am saying is that we are willing to tell the people the truth, share the good news with them because they need to hear some good news. And you, we need to share and live out the good news. Application. What does it mean, district? What does it mean for you to be Oaks of Righteousness, to share the good news about Jesus Christ in your community. What does it mean? Nehemiah's giving us a great model. We're not going to go there. I won't take more, more time. Nehemiah hurt for his people. He read the book of Nehemiah, beautiful narrative. The first thing he does, he's pray, he weeps. He wept for the people. God is calling us to weep for those who are lost. He is calling us to weep about the state of the world. This stuff that's going on has to affect us. My wife and I watched the world news and we're seeing the things that are going on around the world. And a couple of times we're crying on the, on the couch because it hurts. It touches us. We don't know the people. We don't know those special 14 kids in Uvalde, Texas at Rob Elementary and the two teachers. We didn't know them. but We hurt for their family. Your little kids. Do you have little kids, little nieces and nephews, grandbabies? That age group, they're gone. They're not going to be here anymore. They're lost. That needs to affect us. It affects God. If we have a heart of God, I'm not trying to guilt you. We have a heart of God, then we too ought to weep when we see horrific things going on in the world, in our city, in our neighborhood, whether we know people or not. It should affect us. So he wept. He prayed, he went. He went to the people. He surveyed the land. This is a strategy, y'all. He went there. He saw the devastation they were in. And then he came to them. And he said, come see the mess that we're in. He identified with them that we are in. He's a king's cupbearer. He didn't live there. He could have stayed back home at the, at the palace. Serving King Artaxerxes. But no, he said, come see the mess that we are in. The walls are torn down. The city is in ruins. Then he says, now come, let us rebuild. Is verse 4. Come, let us be rebuilders. Let us come together. You don't do ministry to people, but you do it with people. Because people have to want it too. There's got to be buy-in. And even if they're not buying in, you still stay with them and hoping they do buy-in at some point. And then you build. God does the building through his people. He took broken people in, his, in, in, in Nehemiah's day. 
He took broken people who were coming out of captivity, 70 years, captive by the Babylonians, and he used them to rebuild the city of Jerusalem. What might God do through you, District Church? The people need to hear some good news, the gospel. And we are called to share and live out the good news. Now go. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for the hope that we have in you. Lord, we pray for this world. We pray for all of humanity. Pray, Father, for those who are broken, who are brokenhearted, for those who are hopeless, for those who are devastated, for those who are mourning. Lord, we pray that you would help us to, to meet them where they are. But Lord, we want to start with admitting that we're broken. And that we are mourning at times. And we need to be comforted. And pray that you would restore us, restore our hope if we've lost it. Lord, that you would give us the passion as anointed people of God to move outside of our spaces and go into other spaces where you are able to be glorified. Where your word is shared and lived out before this lost and dying world. Use us to advance your kingdom for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to a sermon from the District Church. For more information about us, please visit www.thedistrict.church. Additionally, if any of our sermons have brought encouragement to you, would you please let us know by emailing us at info at